It must be terrible being that miserable. Having to sit in a corner and scowl and pretend to only care about football results because the world's a terrible place and what's the point of it all anyway? Well, what is the point of it all? Who knows? Maybe it is football results. Desert Island World Cup Podcast Day 3. I'm Mitchell Cahaley and I'm with Sean Landry and Stephen Lenore. Hey, we have a special guest. Uh, Stephen Lenore is here to talk to us about Day 3 of the World Cup. It's been a busy day. It's been a long day. Busy day. Four matches. 12 hours, something like that? Something like that. Uh, 24 hours? Yeah, I, haven't, I haven't moved. Uh, we, yeah, except for lunch. Yeah, we got a we got Greek food for lunch. Oh, it was so good. In honor of our fallen brothers, the Greeks, <laughs> who lost 3-0 to Colombia in the first match of the day. This is a match that I said was going to be a nil-nil draw, and I was fairly confident about it. You were fairly wrong about it. I was, we were wrong about the Dutch, too. That's one thing That's you learn true. during the World Cup. You're going to be wrong about every single thing. I'm used to it, being a... a Sports journalists, it was one of the earliest things I confronted. Ah. So Colombia 3, Greece 3, I, I, or nil, excuse me. Um, I was confident that that Greek defense would bunker down, uh, play like they normally do, and I knew Colombia would score in this tournament and be a, a good attacking team going forward, but I thought they'd be a little more impotent without the help of Ramadel Falcao, the Monaco striker who has gone down with an injury. It's really a shame that he's not a part of this tournament. We said that last night. It is. He's probably their best player for at least 20 years uh, since Andreas Escobar. Um, this Greek team is a team that got themselves a nil-nil draw against, uh, admittedly, Cristiano Ronaldo-less Portugal. So uh, ten, ten men. Just it, ten guys. It was, yeah, it was ten people. They didn't even bother with a substitution. We were able to hell hold uh, quite a bit of possession. They just really couldn't... Um... Oh, now that I look at the stats, though, they have quite a few shots on goal, although how many of those were really threatening, uh, you, can, you can debate that. But uh, I think they moved forward as best as they could and reacted as best as they could. Uh, it was kind of a fluky goal that they let in at the beginning that really, I think, just about ten minutes in, five minutes in, wow, um, just shattered, shattered all hope of um, getting a result from this match. Um, they actually, the Greeks... Looked better going forward than I guess we would have expected. They still were fairly impotent. They got, of course, punched on the counter to to score the third goal at the end of the match. But um, uh, they made they like Australia made a good representation of themselves. Absolutely. Well, you see, with a team like this that has such confidence in their defense, with. Uh, even such a fluky goal at the beginning, you know, showing a weakness at so early in the game could really put a damper on how they're playing the rest of the game. Absolutely. That's why, I mean, they were just shattered after that first goal and no uh, no real, um, I mean, as, as much as they tried to get back in the match, there really was no chance. Because the Colombians looked very good going forward, too. The Colombians played a very uh, beautiful style of football. Um, they looked great. I'm excited to see what they do in this tournament. I'm glad that they're still um, looking solid without Falcao. All right, moving on to the second match of the day. Oh, 
the second match of the day. Oh, Kaka capable. The Costa Ricans pulling off the biggest upset of the tournament so far. Shocking the Uruguayans. 3-1. I mean, it's the biggest moment in Costa Rican footballing history. Absolutely. Um, and it was shocking. Just, I, I, probably more shocking than the Dutch result. That's, I was about to ask, the first thing I was about to ask, did you think it was more or less shocking than the Dutch result? I mean, people were pegging the Uruguayans to get out of this group. Um, of course, there's Suarez-less Uruguayans team, it should be noted, but Cavani, um, Golden Boot winner Forlan, plenty of talent out there for the Uruguayans. Uh, the first goal came on an Edison Cavani penalty after Cavani blew some uh, blew some major chances early on in the game. He really should have been more clinical, um, but he finally slotted the penalty away, and we were all ready to you know write off the Ticos. Uh, yeah, Cavani did not look outstanding. Um, in particular, he sliced a volley wide that looked a bit like Bubba Watson's putts at the uh the US Open this this past uh past weekend. But at any rate, uh for all of Cavani's shortcomings, the Costa Ricans looked completely out of it at the start of the match true. too. Very true. And what was really impressive and really shocking about all of it was their ability to come out in the second half and make a difference. And it should be said that all credit goes to their young, inspiring striker, owned, well, not he not personally owned, his contract owned, by Arsenal Football Club, Joel Campbell. I was about to ask you about Joel Campbell. Uh, what, what, what happens from here? Um, I think Arsene will bring him back to London. That's been in the the discussion for some time and I think this this World Cup especially if he keeps playing like this is the push that he'll need to hopefully get back to uh get back to London and get get everything worked out and he'll compete for the probably third maybe fourth striker position uh next season. Well, it should be noted that you know this Joel Campbell's performance from today might be the best individual performance of the tournament so far. I thought you were going to say by an Arsenal striker. Um, it's hard to think of anybody else. Well, Arjen Robin probably. Robin had a great game. Uh, Sterling had a great game, too. Neymar had a good game. But this, it's this definitely was so, up there. It's so, you know, the, the quality in, 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 in these two teams uh, and the way Campbell played and was able to lead this uh, Costa Rican side to victory was um, fascinating. The Uruguayans were pretty much uh, done and dusted after that first goal. They looked, you know, on the on the back heel a little bit. They didn't look like they were were able to make anything happen going forward. Well, I think it's a, a classic failure to follow the momentum of the first goal, and you know, Costa Rica goes into the half a goal down, and they come back in. This young striker, Joel Campbell, is able to put that goal in nine minutes into the second half and you know the team quickly rallies behind him and Duarte scores a quick goal immediately three minutes after and giving them the lead you're just not really 
any way that Uruguay well, could recover. What, so I, you know, I should be noted that uh, Sean and I were able to watch all the matches together today. Steve um, could not be here to watch the matches with us, but I wanted to tell you that that Campbell goal had us just screaming at the heavens, uh, thank God I was born in CONCACAF. And the second, the header was just unbelievable. We were jumping up and down and doing that thing where you grab each other's wrists and just kind of like shake them and stare at each other in the eye going, you know, we're all Ticos. We are all Ticos today. Yeah, I believe that's about the same, uh, about the same reaction, a little bit different words that uh, you and I had when Aguero scored that goal to win the title. Actually, my reaction to that was tackling my mother. Uh, they slotted, they uh, you know, sealed the deal at the end in the last 10 minutes uh, on the counter. Uh, great performance, the Costa Ricans. Top of the group. Uh, top of the group. Top of the group. Um, Campbell has put himself firmly forward uh, for young player of the tournament. Uh, if he keeps playing like this, it should pretty easily be his. Um, hopefully, Costa Ricans can keep this up. Well, you know, Mexico and the United States are the only two teams from the region that have ever gotten out of the group stages. It would be something special if the Costa Ricans could do it. And it should be noted that the Costa Ricans' final group stage match is against the English in Belo Horizonte, where we all know in 1950 another CONCACAF team, the Yanks, the United States of America, got that famous 1-0 victory over the English. Could they do it again? And could that put them through to the group stages? It's really turning out to be the tournament of CONCACAF so far. Mexico with a win and Costa Rica with a win. CONCACAF. 2-0-0. Hopefully well, they can keep that momentum going. I think it's very possible that uh, Costa Rica could, could take the win uh, against the English, especially coming off this crushing defeat uh, it was crushing. against the Italians. Should we move to that? Italy 2, England 1. Uh, England was kind of fun to watch today. Well, first half England was fun to watch. Second half England was not that fun to watch. See, that's the opposite of how I feel about English history. Not a big fan of the first. That's half. The second half is more interesting. It's, you know, I nothing wrong with the first half of English. What is that like? When does the second half start? Mm, that's a case. Yeah, battle probably Hastings battle Hastings onward. Yeah. Or is it like the Magna Carta? Either way, I'll go when's with Battle Hastings because okay. I'm down with Battle Hastings. They had all, all that ancient, ancient history, history stuff. Yeah, exactly. It just it's a snooze fest. Um, yeah, England came out looking inspiring. Um, they had. Sturridge and Sterling marauding, um, a lot of pace, a lot of balls behind the Italian defense, a lot of aggression, um, but one, one England star just looked awful the entire match, and we'll probably see himself benched for the, uh, the Uruguay match. Why, why? <laughs> Why Willie? Were you talking about Why Willie? Is that, uh, is that supposed to be a Manchester accent? That's my Ray, that's my Wayne Rooney accent. Yeah. Sounds like a four year old. Yeah, that's exactly who's <laughs> Well, fair enough. Um Ro yeah, Rooney looked bad. Oh, he looked the entire terrible. match. He looked completely out of place. He doesn't fit this system. He's looked more thin than I expected though. Yeah, he does not. He gave some of that weight to Landon Donovan, I guess. Um the, this was an exciting England performance to begin with. Um, right off the bat, we thought Sturridge had found the back of the net. We with did. A oh rocket. gosh! Uh, lost our minds, as did most of the world, I think. <laughs> well, it looked like you know England was only going to take shots from outside the box in the first ten minutes of the game. They weren't going to do anything else. 
Maybe you should have stuck with that. Really, uh, you know, it was that Marticio goal about 35 minutes into the game that we started seeing the undoing of England. Well, not even, because right after that, they went right down the field and punched <laughs> Italy right back and going into the half. It looked like they had the momentum and it looked mm. like they were playing well. Well, I'm going to disagree with you there. Because uh, if you remember going into the half, uh, Mr. Joe Hart, my beloved keeper Joe Hart, decided that he didn't need to be on his line at all. Well, that's different. And was almost embarrassed by Mario Balotelli, a beautiful chip from outside the box uh, that was luckily for the English saved by, headed off the line by Phil Jagielka. When you're an Arsenal fan, you get used to that. It's fine. I mean, we almost saw that in that cup final. Yeah. And remember, Joe Hart got benched earlier this season for mental errors. Um, he's a very good keeper. Joe Hart is a very good keeper, and there's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. But he's not necessarily at the elite level that I think everyone thought he would be at this World Cup. Uh, he's a very aggressive keeper. Mm -hmm. Um, and sometimes, like you see with Wojciech Chesney, for instance, uh, that can get you in trouble when you, uh, waver a little bit on your decision-making, which is a problem that Chesney's had, but Chesney's only 24. Well, Timmy's an aggressive goalkeeper. Um, in a different way. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, he is. Um, but Joe Hart is not 24. Joe Hart, uh, is a veteran of... Two and a half, or one and a half World Cups and a Euros now. Two and Premier League title campaigns? Yeah, so should maybe be a little more solid on his decision-making going I forward. agree. I, I agree. Um, I think uh, it'll be interesting to see uh, this England team as it goes on. They're by no means out of this, out of the group. Of course, uh, since they lost, the English media has decided that they have... Uh, blown their chance at the World Cup, which, in all honesty, they probably have because they, they're England. They can't. You can't blow a chance that they didn't have to begin with. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Well, uh, Balotelli put in the winner for the Italians uh, early in the second half. It was a nice header. Oh, we should we should go back to that Marchisio goal because that Pirlo dummy. Yeah. Yeah. Beautiful. It was really nice. Andrea Pirlo, acting like looking like Jesus, acting like Jesus. I saw a picture of uh, Pirlo and Christ the Redeemer today, and I couldn't tell which one was which. Um, it was good to see Balotelli score, though. It was good to see Balotelli score. It's going to be really nice when he does that for Arsenal next season. You know, and that's the thing. I would just love to have him back in the Premiership. I love watching that man play. He's a fascinating character. Um, Arsenal haven't had a, had a really crazy guy for a while. That's true. We need one. Mm -hmm. We had Jens Lehmann for ages, and he was insane. They call him Mad Yens. And I think we need Mario Balotelli. Not for his goal scoring, although yes, for his goal scoring. But for his insanity. Mm -hmm. I need some, some shenanigans in North London. Oh, I know, you know, I hope we get some shenanigans. I hope we get a good shirt message or a crazy Balotelli story um, before this tournament's over. I mean, there's so much that Balotelli could do in Brazil. Well, he uh, killed off this match, apparently. He really did. As soon that, as he oh scored, the England was just a disaster. Boy, England went to crap after that. That was the England we know and love. Well, it was England we know. Well, you know, it was, you know, very, very Matthew Crawley after, after the incident. Oh. Um, Steve hasn't watched Downton Abbey, so we can't That's really, true. That's why I said the incident. you got to be careful. Yeah. Um... It was the the England we love in a schadenfreude kind of way. But yeah, they looked pretty unimaginative going forward. Sturridge came off, which was weird. 
Um, Glenn Johnson was an well, offense, a, I, a natural mistaken, disaster. If I'm not mistaken, did I, I think that uh, Sturridge had a some sort of knock. Didn't he? I, I, I think he was he had, cramping. Yeah, okay, okay. But, I mean, Maybe I, that was it. Um, and we all know cramps can, you know, slow things down, everybody. It's okay to go off because of cramps. Uh, subtweeting basketball right now. Yeah. Oh, basketball <laughs> Twitter. Um. But yeah, uh, overall, I, I think uh, this is a better result for England than um, they have had in the past. Yeah, they didn't they, completely embarrass themselves. No, no, no. no. I which think is they, a positive. They're and with making the way, steps with the, forward. With the way Uruguay played, and as much as we love the Ticos and as much as we love CONCACAF, you can't expect them to keep that form up against, um, not against Italy, but so we'll see how that uh, match against England goes on the last day of the group stages. Uh, another, just another fascinating group in the World Cup. Wayne Rooney also took the worst corner kick oh, of all time. Oh, the worst corner kick of all time. That corner went like 20 yards in the air and behind the goal, and it ever went, and I think it went back in time somehow. It, they found it in, uh, in uh, Recife. <laughs> Yeah, this was another game played in Manaus, in the uh, jungle. It uh, didn't look as hot. I mean, the, I think it was 80-something degrees there, so it was not as hot as I guess we expected. Being in the south, we know it's, um, we were pretty used to hot and heavy weather. But uh, we didn't expect, uh, we expected it to be hotter down there. The U.S. plays Portugal in Manaus, so um, hopefully that's a good sign. And I think our guys can handle that. But... That's a different conversation. We have one more match to cover. And this is uh, the Japanese versus Cote d'Ivoire. Let me be honest. I watched this match. This was a good match. But it should be noted that there were two other matches that I was focusing on at the same time. The U.S. Women's National Team and the Gotham Derby, as I believe MLSsoccer.com has put it. I think that's what we're going with. The Gotham Derby. The Gotham Derby. It's weird. Yeah. You know, I caught a little bit more of this match than uh, any of the rest, and it appears to be the same case as the Uruguay-Costa Rica match. You know, you have a goal midway through the first half. And Let's just say, Honda, what a goal. Yeah. What a goal. One of my favorite of the tournament so far, just because of the way he sets it up. He sets himself up, he brings it down, and bam, with his left foot in the top corner. That's brilliant. And I... I said that the Japanese were going to score off a free kick. This was a throw-in, but still, they scored a beautiful goal like I thought they would. Uh, yeah, it was really nice. Um, important to note what Alexi Lala said about set pieces, which is all too true, especially for both of the teams, well, all three of the teams that I care about, um, Arsenal and the U.S. Men's National Team and the Portland Timbers. Too often, set pieces are uh, moments for defense to switch off, and that's exactly what happened to the Ivory Coast here, and Honda made the most of it, and it was really, really quality. Uh, it sparked some talk of people saying Honda should come to MLS, which... I'd take is, him in a heartbeat. Well, it's a silly thing to say, because he's 25, I think, and up and coming, and just signed with AC Milan. So he's a ways before he, he looks at coming to America, I think, unless there's some kind of coup. And that's okay, everybody. That's okay. Um, 
Steve, I think you had a thought that we cut you off on. Uh, yes, after that uh, goal by Honda, 16 minutes in, uh, sadly the, J- the Japanese weren't able to create as many chances as they'd like, I think, in the first half. And, you know, a quick, at the beginning of the second half, a quick 19 minutes in, you know, the Ivory Coast has their first goal, and then a quick double tap two minutes later, just as in the Costa Rica game. And from that point, the Japanese are so demoralized that there's not really much they can do to come back from it. I would like to. I think the Japanese really dominated the the rest of the first half, though. I think they played much better than the Ivory Coast in the first half. They played very well coming out in the second half too. It was once Drogba came on that Boni scored his goal, and then Jorginho minutes later. It's Drogba. How much influence does he have coming on the field? Uh, he's got a lot of influence. Uh, Tracking back to Japan for a second, they did. Uh, I suppose dominate the end of the half, but it was not uh, a, a proactive kind of domination. It, the Ivory Coast looked out of it. They they didn't make the right decisions going forward. Um, but Japan had four shots on target total, seven shots total. Um, the end of that first half was just a really stagnant match of soccer. Uh and then once, like you say, once Drogba came on, um, the Ivory Coast pretty much just grew into the game. Drogba is vital for a number of reasons. He's obviously a phenomenal athlete, uh, great pace, great finishing, but he's also somebody that a defense has always got to keep track of. You always have to know where he is, and that taxes the defense and uh, makes it harder for them to keep their shape and do their job. And so even just his presence on the pitch and the, the kind of mythology of Drogba helps the Ivory Coast and helps create chances for future Arsenal striker Will Herboni and former Arsenal striker Javinio. I would watch the mythology of Drogba. I'm sure it's been made. That would be really it's good. probably like a 30 for 30. He's got the best beard in the World Cup. Really? Yeah. Hot take. Hot take. Andrea Pirlo wants mm. a word. Pirlo has a, has a majestic beard, you're right, but the Drogba beard is very intimidating. Um, do you start him in the next match? I would start Drogba in yeah. the next match. Uh, who is their next match? That's a good question. We should see who the next, um, the Ivory Coast next match is. You know, an important thing to note with this game is, uh, how well the Ivory Coast controlled the ball the second half. You have, we see the largest possession percentage gap here of any of the games in the day, 57 to 43. And, uh, honestly... When you're facing a team that's trying to recover from two quick goals, it's very important to hold onto the ball and move it really well. Absolutely, absolutely. And, you know, it's not the you know it was not the game I wanted to see from Torre as a City fan. I hope um, he he played much better in the second half. But I hope we can see, you know, and should be noted the Ivory Coast had a few chances in the first half and in the second half off of free kicks. Torre is a deadly free kick taker. Uh, their next match is against Colombia, and my God, that should be a cracker of a match, shouldn't it? Uh, it should be really oh, nice. Oh, it should be so good. Uh, I think Drogba does have to start for that one, because I think it's one that the Ivory Coast would really like to take three points oh, off of, so they can kind of take the foot off the gas pedal against Greece, Greece. in their closer. So, um, we still have the Ivory Coast coming out of this group, though, right? Coming out top. Really? Yeah, is that what I said in the first? That's what I said. I, well, I had Colombia coming out You had Colombia. I'm pretty sure I had the Ivory Coast. Um, now, I think if uh, if Colombia can have another quick-fire goal 
at the beginning of this next match. I don't think there's any way that the Ivory Coast is going to be able to recover from it. I think it's going to end one no. Well, should be you know, this youth in Colombia side too, which is in stark contrast to the aging Ivory Coast side. But we're you know we'll we'll, we'll preview that match when we come to it. We have three matches to give our quick hot takes on for tomorrow, um, which we should say is Father's Day. So happy Father's Day to all of our fathers, all the fathers. Uh, listening out there, um, football is a game of fathers and sons. Uh, pass it on. Uh, your children will learn to love it. Um, or your fathers will learn to love it. Or your father, that's right, Sean has a reverse story. My, my father sadly hates the game of football. Um, or soccer. Uh, either way, um, it's all the same. So our three matches tomorrow is uh, Switzerland and Ecuador, France and Honduras, and then the one I've been looking forward to all weekend. Argentina and Bosnia and Herzegovina. Let's give your hot takes, quick hot takes on all three matches. Um, the first match is going to be terrible and boring and awful. Really? Yeah. I'm expecting some fun, something fun from the Swiss team. They're better than people think they are. They are. They're good. I think they're going to pretty much handle Ecuador. I, well, see, I think we're due... This is a gambler's fallacy. But I think we're due for a boring match. <laughs> the matches have all been great so far. And I hope that it's like amazing and there's like 50 goals and... Like, Zaytan somehow secretly became Swiss because they do, like, they adopt people all the time. It's a, they're, FIFA's located in Switzerland. That's, that's true. That's a thing that Set easily happen. play. France and Honduras. Sean, I think every podcast we've done, you've talked about the Honduran crest. I do. We're finally going to put it to the Honduran test tomorrow crest. against that French team. And it's going to work. The magic of the Honduran crest. Right. The Big H. The Big H. That should be their name. That should be their nickname. The Big H. It is their nickname. We will refer to Honduras as the Big H from now on. It's the source of all their power, and they're going to hopefully continue the the cup of Concacaf. The cup of Concacaf, Steve. You think Concacaf can keep this up? Well, uh, it'll be interesting to see what Mexico does, and Costa Rica has played pretty well, so we'll see what they can do in the next round. Um, last match of the day, Argentina, Bosnia and Herzegovina. I'm excited for this one as a City fan. It's Dzeko versus Aguero. Dzeko going up against Zabaleta and Dimichelis. And my World Cup winners, Argentina, uh, facing a tough-ish test in their first match. The Bosnians are not great in the back. They have a great keeper in Begovic. Uh, they're good going forward. All they know is to go forward. Um, they just charge and charge and charge and charge. So we'll see if they can exploit the weak uh, Argentinian defense. Is the Argentinian defense that weak? I mean, I think that is their weakest link. Okay. So when I say weak, I mean it's relative to Argentina. Pablo Zavaleta is good. Pablo Zavaleta is the best right back in the Premier League. When comparing to their to their forward game, strikers in the wings, you know, it, it's pretty hard for the defense to stand up to that. Yeah, well, you know, really, all the big team. I mean, every the big issue in this World Cup are shaky defenses. You know, all you know, a lot of contenders have uh, questionable questionable defenses and questionable keepers, and um, that's we, that's uh, what's going to make this World Cup so exciting. Which is, I think, part of why it's been so exciting so far. But we know, as evidenced by the Greece Columbia game, that past reputations and good defense uh, doesn't necessarily mean everything. When it, comes to a no, that's absolutely true. world stage. That's absolutely true, and that's why uh, we're hopefully going to have an exciting day tomorrow. All right, I think we've gone to... Let's each take a match and predict it from the Oh, okay. So what do you want? 
I'll let you take the Honduran match because right. that's, those are your boys. I'm going to take the Honduran match and I'm going to call it 3-2 uh, to the Hondurans. Ooh, that sounds yeah. fun. I've got, yeah. That sounds really you fun. You know I've got Hondurans come second out of this group. So yeah, you do. It might you, be the first draw. You went all in on that. You went all in on that. That's right. Okay, well, uh, I'll take Switzerland, Ecuador, and I'm going to have to agree with uh, Sean here. I think it's going to be very boring. Uh, probably a nil-nil draw. All right. All right. I'm, uh, I would not be surprised. I'm going to need a nap, so um, I hope so. I have the Ecuadorians, Ecuadorians coming second out of this group. Don't forget our bet. That's uh, right. we got a lunch on it. Whoever finishes higher between Honduras and Ecuador. Even though I'm going to be clapping my hands for CONCACAF. Yeah, I'm on yeah, I'll be clapping my hands for CONCACAF. So. Uh, I guess that leaves me with Argentina and Bosnia and Herzegovina. I'm going to take the Argentinians 4-1. 4-1. Wow. Okay, that's about right. Mm -hmm. Okay. All right. Does anybody have anything else they want to say? Uh, I think so. I think that's it for us. We've gone a little long. Um, thanks for joining us here from the Desert Island World Cup headquarters in Mobile, Alabama. We will talk to you soon. We got the big USA match coming up on it's Monday. Monday I'm that. preemptively cowering behind my couch. We will talk to you soon and uh, happy Father's Day. Yes.